0: Welcome to Into the Woo, a wellness podcast hosted by Alice Wu. I'll be exploring the world of crystals, energy healing, spirit guides, and more to help you understand how they can unlock your potential. These concepts have helped me discover my purpose and my truth, and I can't wait to hear how they will inspire you. I'll show you how they can be accessible and powerful tools in your life. In this episode, we talk about what it means to do the work. Understand the light and dark sides of ourselves and really examining our shadow self where we keep our insecurities, fears, uncertainties really what we hide from others and begin to be curious and peel back the layers of self. Karina Carlson and I have a convo about what it means to do the work, and during our conversation, we actually find some good nuggets of insights on what we need to work on. We provide examples of where we've done the work, and really what it means to come back to yourself. I'm so excited to be introducing my friend, my colleague, Karina Carlson of Well-Read and Virtual Wellness Week for today's podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about what does it mean to do the work? Karina, would love for you to introduce yourself, share a little bit about your journey. I'm also so happy
1: to be here. First time doing this on Zoom and many firsts. And yeah, you introduced me very aptly. I am a well-read and virtual wellness week. They are similar in DNA, uh, but different in mission and execution. So Well-read is something that happens here in Washington, D.C. Normally, it's something that takes place in person, and they are live in-person gatherings, smaller on the 30 to 40-person side with the intention of having two parts that mirror the structure of the name. So wellness comes first, and that can be anything from a yoga class, uh, a bar class, to something more internally, mentally focused, like Guided meditation, breath work reiki. And then we transition into article discussion, hence the red. So that can be on any on any number of topics. They're not wellness specific. So things that we've talked about have included environmental justice, sex and sexuality, um, <laughs> the lack mentality when it comes to personal finance, which is something that I'm really sitting with and grappling with right now. Toxic friendships, um, race and intersectionality of personhood, really everything is on the table. So that's well read. And then Virtual Wellness Week is something that has been birthed out of being stuck at home during quarantine when we're just being mindful of our health and the health of those around us. So that's a week long programming that has three prongs throughout the day with the hope of instilling some sense of routine community and I think I find the most personal value from accountability knowing that other people are hopping on there. So it's always guided meditation in the morning to start the day off on an intentional foot movement in, in the afternoon and then really juicy fun creative sessions in the evening. So those are things like um feng shui cooking classes um sex and sensuality 101 uh so we do lots of really cool things in the evening so things that you might not do in your outside of social distancing life but now we have the ability to plug in in a new way so that's those are my ventures in a nutshell but we're going to be talking about a different kind of work today i think <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true. And, um, I've heard this story, but, uh, I think people would love to hear how you got started with yeah. well Red. Like why did you start a wellness events company? What sparked that?
1: Yeah. So we're taking it back two years, actually, which is kind of crazy. But two years ago, it was May of 2018 and I had just left a job And due to some uh, contractual legal obligations, I needed to wait three months before leaving that job and starting my new job. So I had three months where I knew I had job security on the other end of it. And I felt like there was a big white space in the wellness events market, particularly here in D.C., because I would attend like a vino and vinyasa class and I would do the yoga class and then go get my glass of wine and then like stand in the corner because it's really hard to meet new people. The reason I went to the class is because I thought, great, these are like-minded people. They're coming out of their way to come to this event. Maybe this is a way to make new friends, but inevitably the question came up. So what do you do? And you can see like the social calculus going on in people's faces, right? Like, is this person worth my time talking to? Like, might they be helpful to me in some way, which I think is a very East Coast mentality where we're always go, 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 rather than being present in the moment with somebody and just appreciating them for who they are. So I kept looking for these events and I couldn't find them. So in that three month period, I figured, when else am I going to have the opportunity like this, um, where all of my energies can be can be poured into this? And so, that was the opportunity and sort of the container that presented itself. And at my job that I had left, that I needed to wait three months until I started my new one, I was an event planner, so I had that skill set in my back pocket. Um, I was a fitness instructor and was starting my journey into a wider idea of what wellness means. So beyond like going to a fitness class, eating well, um, I was just starting to open myself up and open my heart up to what that looked like. So it was sort of a perfect storm that created the opportunity for that. Um, And then add in, in November of 2017, it was, my dad had a stroke where, It sort of rocked me to my core to see somebody who, for his entire life, was active, ran marathons, (laughs) played soccer in college, played soccer during his lunch breaks at work, um, and who was a voracious reader. I think that I can't remember a time when he wasn't in a class or taking a seminar or doing something in the vein of professional or personal development. And to see somebody so quickly not be able to walk, And not be able to look at me and tell me what he was thinking um, was really heartbreaking. And every time that I think about or I smell hand sanitizer, it actually is really jarring right now. Because I smell hand sanitizer and then I think about the hospital and all of my hospital experiences. Oh, no. Triggered. Yeah. So that's been actually a really interesting trigger right now. But that was a moment that really grounded me in gratitude for my able body and my able mind. So that I think is infused into the DNA of well-read. So the, the first part, the wellness is really honoring the able bodies that we have. And then the article discussion or the content discussion piece is really honoring the able minds that we have. And that's the why, that's the long walk to the short drink of it.
0: And I imagine that when you started Well red that also kind of um, began or kind of put you more forward in your spiritual journey. And it's a good segue to talk about doing the work because it's constantly talked about within this wellness space um, that's more of like in the emotional, the spiritual, the mental uh, well-being, but it's confusing if you've never encountered it before right it's like what does that mean doing the work um doing the work for me is really just about self-discovery understanding your truth it's why I started a woo-woo company uh, with all the different events I have is just to go inward so that you can begin to get to know yourself better to reconnect to your soul's purpose but it's not always easy and so I'd love to hear about you know (laughs) <laughs> where you are in that journey, what doing the work has meant for you. I know you and I have spoken a lot about different anecdotes and we have a really recent one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Too, yeah. I'm really excited to share. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think that I had a lot of priming for this idea of doing the work. So I referenced my dad always in some seminar, always taking the class and they were actually in the realm that I find myself in now. And I was so resistant to it as a teenager and as an, as a young adult. So I thankfully had that priming. So it wasn't super new to my consciousness. It was just that I had sort of woken up to being receptive to it. So to give some color, my dad gave me many, a Marianne Williamson book <laughs> gave me oh, many, I know. yeah, gave me many, meditation tool framework he he gave me a meditation cushion like a really beautiful one that he now has in his home um as a gift for when i went to college and Alex, i used it as a stepping stool to get up to my bed like that's that's sort of like the mind space that i was in for a long time i was like different from your mom very different from my mom and this was after um they had gotten divorced that he started doing this work so they got divorced when I was thirteen. So, like I said, when I was a teenager, it was when he started giving me these things. And of course, anything that your parents do, you're like, "Ugh, no!" I also remember seeing him put avocado on his sandwiches, and I was like, "That's disgusting." Now look at me. <laughs> well, also, right.
0: It's it's funny when um both when you're when you experience um two different cultures, two different <laughs> types of parents because. Your dad was born and raised in America. Mm -hmm. Yes. your mom was not. No, she
1: is Chilean Santiago Chile. And the majority of my family still lives down there. And it's really interesting because even when you go down into a lot of countries in that part of South America, so you see this a lot in Argentina, you see this a lot in Chile, um, there was a huge European movement after World War II. So there's a little bit of a dichotomy there between people that are indigenous to the region and people who've been there for generations. Um, I think that my mom was third generation Chilean, Mm. uh, family from Spain. Um, And you see a huge dichotomy between really embracing the roots and the naturopathic and the spiritual that a lot of people who are more indigenous to the country hold on to versus people who immigrated there um, and have more of those European roots, but have been living there. So that's the subset that my mom was part of. And it was very much, you are seen, not heard. You do as you are told. We do not talk about our emotions. We sort of sweep them under the rug. And that's very much still the case with my family on that part of, on that part <laughs> like, that's, I mean, let's just call it what it is. Um, but that's also very true of my dad's family. I think my dad broke the chain, which I think is something that a lot of people who are finding themselves in the work are breaking chains of yes. breaking the chains of their family where we don't talk about our emotions and we don't address the, See the underbellies that we need to, so that we can integrate both as people and as families, or as cohorts and communities. So,
0: yeah, it's to really heal generationally. Um, <laughs> it's in our DNA, and it's and and it's passed down not only in that way, but also through habits, belief systems, um, just how you move about in the world. You know, my family is the. I'm first generation here um, in the United States. My family is from Shanghai, China, and you know my parents. Just it's it's truly a luxury to be able to think about your purpose. Mm-hmm. It's it's very privileged. And my parents, and like many immigrants to the U.S. anywhere, they're focused on survival mm-hmm. of making ends meet, figuring out what to do for their children, education, where they'll live, how to support them. And so it's, they don't have the luxury of thinking of like, who am I? Oh, <laughs> oh girl,
1: yes. Also, LOL, the voice <laughs> just completely cracking there. So my mom grew up during the Pinochet region, a rain in Chile. So talk about like inheriting lack mentality. They had to wait in line. To get bread,
0: cultural revolution. My my both sides of my family, my mom and my father side, like they were academics. They came from like upper class, and so with the cultural revolution, you know everyone's the same. There's you know there. It was it was a bad time. Yeah, bad time. So
1: that's definitely something that I feel like I feel as though I've inherited from from that side of the family where it's like you do your duty. You, you make it work and it's really interesting. My mom's duty was being a dancer. So she was a professional ballerina, still teaches to this day. And it's fascinating because this is actually true of a few of my aunts and uncles, a few of my my mom's siblings. She's one of four, she's the youngest. So that also introduces a really interesting dynamic between her and I because she's the youngest of four and I'm the oldest of my siblings. So we have a lot of interesting birth order juju there. But she from a young age was identified as having like uncanny raw talent for dancing. And like that was her meal ticket. Like so her job, I really feel for her. Um, I feel for like young Carmen because that was her life and that was her job. And I think that the the story, my sense, and she's really reticent about talking to me about this, but my sense is that the story she tells other people and probably herself is, I loved this so much. I couldn't imagine doing anything else with my life but there was also so much pressure that it's like, you better love this so much. This is your meal ticket out. And like, this is what you need to do. And ultimately it was, and she's had a really long successful career. I mean, same, same with my uncle. He was a really talented tennis player and that was his like whole world. What a um, family. Yeah. That, that was his like ticket to the U S he got a scholarship here and, and, played, oh, wow. and played tennis in college. And that was his way out. So it was a sense of duty in that way. And then my other aunts, um, similarly their duty was to do well in school to figure out a way to like come home and help support the family and financially and throughout the house and so there's a very strict sense of duty and i think when something that you said a little or a little while ago about having the privilege to have this space to think about returning to our essential personhood and who we are truly is the luxury that I don't think anybody in my family before had. And so it's, it's interesting because it's, do I apologize for that? Do like, how do I have this conversation with my mom about, you know, I've been leaving this really well-paying job that like, you're so proud that I have to pursue my passion. Like those are just like really foreign sentences to say. Um, Yeah. That's sort of where we are.
0: Yeah. It is difficult, but Mm -hmm. I think that that word passion Mm -hmm. is used a lot, but I think that it is, it is similar, but different if you, if you substitute it out with purpose. Mm. Passion almost seems like a bit more fleeting of like, this is like what I feel like in the moment versus purpose seems more steadfast, stable and comes even from a deeper place within. I think that when people say doing something with a passion, it's, it's with a purpose.
1: Mm. That's a really good distinction actually, because I've read a lot. And I think that sometimes you sort of hit the nail on the head. The word passion can be thrown around a lot. Um, and I think that sort of bringing it back, doing the work can connect us to our purpose, which will ultimately keep us on the right path, though it may not be linear. <laughs> like it's very zigzaggy, very, very zigzaggy. It's very true, um, very true. Yeah, but that's that, that word purpose, That's interesting too, because I'm thinking about my mom and like she always says that her purpose was to dance and to bring that to other people. So I think what this is bringing up is that I'm really needing to talk to my mom.
0: (laughs) This is, we're experiencing everyone in the moment, Karina, doing the work. I need to talk to my mom. We need to
1: have a deep convo. I think that for a lot of people, it is going back and having those hard conversations of origin with your family. I mean, I have the luxury that I still have relations, like I still have, you know, complicated, layered relationship with my mom that I think we've gotten to a much better place. And I love her something fierce and I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to have that conversation with her because she's alive and she's here. But I think for some people, the work is healing wounds with people that they might not have access to because they've passed or they don't have a relationship or... All of those things, but
0: and as we are are chatting, I realized that you know my time spent in China was, I think, really spurred doing the work. Mm. I I went for practical reasons. It was a good opportunity right after school when the job market sucked. I got to work at the World Expo, which is the World's Fair. Very fun at the USA Pavilion, touring people, and I stayed because it was the start of the digital boom, but. What I left with was something so much more profound than professional experience. It was such a visceral understanding of what it feels like to be the other as a Chinese American living in China, because you still are different, but also a sense of true belonging and what it feels like to walk around each day and to see yourself reflected in the people like I looked like everyone else mm-hmm. and there's such a comfort that I when I came back to the U.S. I tried to describe to my parents I'm, because when I came back I, I began to understand the complexities of race which I really wasn't I didn't understand when I lived here You know, I was like, oh, racism is not a thing, you know, like I have lots of different friends from all different backgrounds and I live in a liberal area, diverse area, all these different things. But it was not until I came back that I I just I had that experience that very few people have of almost living your like alternative reality an alternate reality wow. by going to China and seeing, Oh, what would it have been like had I had my parents never left. And we were always with a lot of family and to be able to, to, to just live this other. It was so interesting. So when I came back, I spoke to my parents. I was like, you know, I never expected to feel this way, but it was kind of nice to just walk around and know that I, that you were not judged subconsciously or consciously on your race I just, it, it, it was just, it, it was almost like a weight lifted off your shoulders because I think a lot of people feel this way as being the, the one Asian, the one Latina, mm-hmm. the African-American, whatever it is, like in a room, like sometimes it feels like all eyes are on you and that you're representing your race. Yep. <laughs> <You're the topic. laughs> and here you are. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I didn't feel that way. It was just me. I could be myself. I was like, who, who is Alice? And that's how I flowed through life. And I tried to keep that and bring that here still, but it's a little bit different.
1: I wonder how, I know that you've posted a little bit about this, but especially now the context that we're in with COVID-19. Talk about like, explicit unconscious bias happening because of the way that you look has that been something that has been like heightened now that people have been sort of incited by public leaders how has that been for you
0: i don't really feel it in the area that i live i know from like you know news twitter that there has been a lot more violence and anger Mm -hmm. towards asian americans Uh, and it's, it's something that I do think about when I go outside. Um, I'm like, well, are people angry at me? Like, it's not my fault. It's just like you, you can't be responsible for like, What your country does, like when you go abroad, and someone is like, "I hate Americans." It's like, what about that? When you go abroad, it's like that feeling um, that you are representing America, and I don't always think that people realize that they're always like, "Oh, the loud Americans."
1: (laughs) I definitely very, I am very conscious of that because I have family in other countries, and they're like, people don't think super highly, or like they're on high alert about about you when you when you come through uh sure. I, something that really hit when, when you were talking about your experience when you were in shanghai after school was letting go of like the feeling of like how do i appear outside and having sort of like those distractions fall away so that you could truly ask yourself those hard questions of who am i what is my purpose what brings me joy what are those things inside me that need attention and that need healing and that need work (laughs) um and that's something that I'm struggling with now especially in quarantine like my work is recognizing distractions as that and then that's, that's what I'm good at. I'm good at recognizing distractions, but like the letting go has always been, um, a particular challenge for me. So I remember, <laughs> I remember this so, so clearly I was in high school and was going to therapy and I love, I loved my therapist. I think that that is such a valued relationship. Um, and I remember her saying like, you are so adept at like, up here identifying things, but, like, it doesn't make its way here, and I find that to be true in so many things. Logically, I can say, this isn't serving me. Like, this relationship dynamic as it currently stands is not in my best interest, Um, but then figuring out how to take that realization and actualize it is like the process that I'm, that I'm in currently is, I've identified, which I think is a big part of it, but how do I move from identification to implementation? And that's sort of the stage of the work that I'm in. And I think that that has a lot to do with something that I know that we've talked about is like the integration of like those shadowy parts of ourselves. Um, I'm doing a lot of manifesting work but that has a lot to do with first identifying those parts of ourselves that we put in a little box and are like not today like I don't want to address that part of me um so I'm doing some shadow reintegration work at the moment which when like I'm very sensitive so I already feel all the feelings and like now I'm quarantine in like my modestly sized apartment I'm like all of the feelings are in this small apartment
0: and we're getting boxed in literally boxed in you're literally
1: getting boxed in the
0: apartment but so
1: I think that the shadow work is sort of is my way of integrating things that might otherwise be seen. I I might otherwise be distracted by because I'm like, no, that's not me. Oh, that's not me. Oh, that's not me. And rather like picking up all of those things being like, that is me. Like, and that is okay. Um, So some of the things that I've been doing is a lot of like visualizations of truly like what my shadow self looks like and does.
0: So that's good because You know, so much in wellness, people just only speak about the light, but there is the dark too. You must know both sides to mm-hmm. experience the other. And so, that shadow self, the insecurities, the anxieties, mm-hmm. like what you hide from yourself too, and the world is just so important so that you can begin to move forward because all those things pile up within you. And I teach this in my manifestation workshop. Um, if you let them pile up, you don't have room to call in something new, like a new way of doing, a new way of thinking to start bringing in those things that you truly want in your life. Yeah, one of the
1: things that comes up for me a lot in in doing sort of like that shadow work is that I have a very addictive personality in like all sense of the words. And I think that like there is a shadow part of that and there's a really positive part of that. I think that I've been doing um, some Enneagram work. I'll talk about that afterwards, but the Enneagram talks about like at their best, a two is X, Y, and Z. And like at their suboptimal, they are this. So I think that similarly that sort of like addictive personality can be positive, but when not addressed and not analyzed and looked at in a really critical way can be very detrimental. Um, so I'm thinking about, you know, addictive in like the most common sense of the word, like substances, you know, like that can be something that has been very, very challenging for me. And I'm, I'm starting to get to the point where I feel ready to like release those all together. Um, for the past year or so, I've been examining my relationship with primarily alcohol, because that's such a social thing to do. But now that we're in social isolation, I'm like, okay, like, I don't have to go to a bar. Okay, like, I don't have to calculate and be like, well, I didn't have wine at dinner. So can I not uh, pay an extra $30 for this? Um, So that's been something but addictive also in like, with people, like that can be like, that can show up a little bit like as codependency. Yes.
0: Like, Absolutely. It could show up at just being busy with everybody, like, their hobbies, their to do lists. It's tough. You just, those are all distractions.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And those were all like numbing mechanisms. Like alcohol is a number. I think being busy is glorified, but that's a number. Immersing yourself in relationships with other people. Also like, Oh wow. So gregarious. She's got friends and a relationship with her boyfriend. And it's like,
0: it's exhausting. It's like truly when you have to take care of yourself, but then you have your significant other, but then you also have your family and your friends. Mm -hmm. And so, it's always you that kind of gets the short end on the end of the stick. Yeah.
1: That's another thing that's been coming up. And my sister has actually been a really good illuminator and like mirror for me in this part. My sister
0: is always telling things to me that I'm like, "Uh." I've been asking her more now. Um, and she'll tell me like truth and and she's like, I'm like, oh, why didn't you say this before? She's like, Oh, I just didn't feel like you um w- could hear it or like want it. it was gonna be helpful for you. She's like very, very wise. She's like six years. I don't have six years younger. Wow. That's so lucky.
1: I feel I feel also so lucky to have like my sister, but the thing that she's pulling up to me is you are like a fixer for our family because like of the dynamic that we grew up with, with our mom primarily, like I said, she was a dancer. And so like, honestly, that was her job growing up. So like, she doesn't know how to cook <laughs> like, or like do like things around the house or anything like that. So I found myself doing a lot of that as a young child, as a teenager, being like, mm-hmm. seeing a problem, being like, I'll handle it. That's, that's my, that's my phrase. I'll handle it. Just being like, you're incompetent. I've got this.
0: Um, (laughs) I know, I know that feeling really well. And it's like, at this point in our lives, it's almost like letting your parents take care of you. I know that I've really had to do that in the past few years. It feels very strange, but Mm -hmm. allowing them to support me is really healing a lot of wounds. Doing the work like healing mother wounds, healing like father wounds, it's, it's, it's very intense. It is really intense,
1: but that, that has been like my go-to. And I think the reason I say that is because I don't want to create the space for my family to show up
0: can either the opportunity and so it goes back to of like victim of like it's always been like this like this is the story you tell yourself and like we all want to be right and -hmm. so you're like well I'm the only competent one and so I also have that story too but I've been shifting and I'm like actually there's different levels of competency in different ways and so why don't you give people an opportunity to show up instead Mm of trying to think a couple steps forward, just like sit back and see like what happens if you let people fend for themselves, it will, it's always okay. And I think that one of the things that we've been dancing around that I really want to bring focus and shine a light on is how relationships really just show you so much. They reveal so much of what you need to do, whether it's romantic friendship wise. And a couple weeks ago we had a really such a, like lovely catch-up call. And I, I, I had been feeling like for like a couple of weeks of like not doing enough. And like I saw that you had started virtual wellness week and mm-hmm. it was so successful. It's still as very successful as you are on your like, I think fifth iteration now. Yeah. And like when I saw that, I was taken aback and I was like, should I be doing something like this? Shouldn't mm-hmm. I do this? And so I felt there's a lot of insecurity, there's a lot of shadow around there. And so I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, like why do I feel this way of feeling insecure of like, well, why I should be doing this. There's a bit of jealousy thrown in there as well that I told you about. And then I realized at the root of it, it was just like not wanting to feel left behind in progress, whatever like arbitrary way that I'm measuring progress. And it was something that I sat with for a couple of weeks and and wondered, you know, why didn't I do this? And ultimately it's just like, it goes back to a lot of things we've been talking about today. Just because you can, just because you might be good at it, doesn't mean that you will, or you (laughs) want to. And that was something that for me, I was like, you know what? I didn't want to do that. I still don't want to do that. That's not my thing. That's not what brings me joy, but it brings you joy. It brings you happiness and fulfillment in a way that w- wouldn't be the same for myself. And so when something or someone kind of triggers us or you know, causes us to feel some type of way, it's almost like you need to examine that and also chat with that person more be very curious and so that's what i'd revealed to you and we just had such a a heartfelt conversation
1: yeah yeah that was one of my favorite combos of quarantine thus far for sure um and it's so funny because i also told you this but i was like i feel that way about you
0: I was shocked. I was like, Oh, it's just really about perspectives. And it's all arbitrary. What success is, how we define it. It's just like at any phase of a business of your life, whatever journey you're on, it can be successful. Like you got up today. That's a a success. You made like X amount of dollars a success, but it's really, I always try to go back to how do I feel? Mm -hmm. It's very hard because money is such a measure of success, but it's not the only way to measure success. And that's something that I really have needed to retrain myself, thinking about, you know, how I was raised, my belief systems and understanding that there's more abundance out there than just financial abundance. As a lot Mm -hmm. of people are experiencing right now, there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of time. Yep. Yep. Opportunity choices. And so, you talking also about
1: potentially feeling, and I know that you've addressed it, but like feeling left behind. I think something that I loved about our conversation too was this idea of having like a cohort of people that are like in your pack that are similar but different. It's like same, same, but different. Um, And we were talking about like the Dave Chappelle special. And it's like, look at all of these comedians that were here being like, he's the go. So amazing. Inspires me. And you're like, this guy is fucking amazing. Like in his own right, or she's incredible in her own right. And it's like, they're all comedians or all entertainers of a different variety or flavor, but they can all rally around and like, let the ego down enough to be like, Dave Chappelle is a real one and, like, deserves to be here, and that doesn't mean that I can't be later. And I also think about, like, Rashida Jones, and I think about Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, and then similarly, like, Issa Rae, like, and all of the people that she's lifting up. Like, those are cohorts. Like, those are little packs of people who feed off of each other. And I think, honestly, I'm not looking to... I don't even know who like my North star would be like, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like Gwyneth Paltrow, like, that's not something I aspire to, but I think like that, that echelon of level, if that makes sense, like I'm not looking to her for inspo at all. Like the person that I'm looking to, to inspire me, like is in my cohort
0: is like someone. Absolutely. And I I started Woo, Woo Company. I started this podcast so that people realize that self actualization, self discovery, understanding your truth, living your purpose, just finding that purpose is for everyone. Yep, it's 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 meant for everyone. And in the past, it's been a privilege just because, and it still is, I think, to a certain extent. But it's because it's 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 been held up here. But it's something you can do every single day of like, does this serve me? So that you can just be happier day to day Mm -hmm. because if you are operating out uh, operating from a place of joy a place of happiness it doesn't mean that you're poor (laughs) it doesn't mean that you aren't doing good things i think a lot of times there's that comparison of like oh you can't do good things and also be well off Mm -hmm. but the universe will support you if you are following your truth and following your purpose
1: (sighs) Yeah. And that support doesn't always look like money.
0: Sometimes it does
1: because I think like money is real and we all need it. And that that's just a fact of life at this moment in time. But I have found that the more I come back to myself, the more opportunities open up like things that just come in that I'm not necessarily like out there pitching or searching for not to say that I'm not out there trying to create opportunities for myself, but the more comes in. And I think it takes it back to something that you were talking about in your manifestation workshop is like, when you let go of that heavy shit that you carry with you, like which takes up real estate, energetic, emotional, if you're a hoarder, sometimes physical real estate, (laughs) um, And when you let that go, other things have room to come
0: in. That's not to say that you shouldn't still be cognizant, but. It's because like for people like us, it's like, we're always going, 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 working, working, working. And it's almost like the lesson that we have to learn is to let go and to surrender. And this actually happened to me, um, a couple weeks ago, there is, um, a friend that I just haven't really heard much from. And it's been a bit like disappointing on my end, but I'm giving her space and support, you know, by, by not kind of being like, Hey, like, you know, why haven't I heard from you? And like, you know, I haven't felt like we've been as good of friends that I thought, you know, whatever. And so I just let it go. I was like, you know what, maybe it's just not meant to be. And if like, this person's meant to be my friend, they will come back in. And then I got a phone call from that person a couple days later. And then you know, during this time, it's really tough to spend money, but, but, you know, I've been, I've just been thinking a lot about, you know, what am I going to do to really grow during this time? And I bought a lot of new instruments, as you know, that was a big invest investment. And then a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know what, I think I'm a bit curious about mentorship. Hmm of having someone work with me to develop my sound healing capabilities, but also just help me because I help others. And I'm like, but I think I I need some help right now. (laughs) And so I made that leave. I, I spent Karina, I spent like a lot of money the last few weeks, more money than I've ever spent on myself and the business. Mm -hmm. And then all these things came through. Mm -hmm. I applied for a grant that grant came through Um, I got uh, a gig uh, recording, creating some meditations. I mean, just a a bunch of things came through and it's could just be coincidences. Some say there there are such things as coincidences, but it definitely felt good to be able to surrender that and be like, this is what I think I need. I'm scared. I'm scared, but let me transform that feeling of fear, uncertainty into excitement. Because it's two sides of the same coin.
1: 100%. I think that that's actually a theme that's been coming up consistently is that. I don't know why I put my pen up. Uh, (laughs) But everything is
0: a mirror image
1: of itself. And it's just how you harness it. It's like how you cultivate it. So fear addictive personality um insert whatever into into this equation like there's positive and there's um blocking on either side of the coin but uh I love that and I listen
0: to your meditations all the time on your SoundCloud <laughs> you do I do <laughs> I don't know who, who listens on SoundCloud. I don't know who views on YouTube. I just like look at the stats and I'm like, Oh good. Someone listened to something this past week. Then I must be doing something. Yeah. yeah. Well, honestly, I sometimes I have those numbers, <laughs> especially, you know, in the beginning of our businesses, like sometimes I'm just like, I don't, is, is what I'm doing. Is it not, does it matter? Is yeah. it helping people and every, Every now and then, you know, I'll get someone that sends me a DM or, you know, you say something like just now. And I'm like, okay, all is well. So I wanted to ask you, what are your favorite tools right now to helping you to rediscover yourself, to be more aligned Mm -hmm. and just continue this just never ending journey of coming back to yourself?
1: Yeah, it is a never ending journey, never ending story like the classic 80s film. Uh, it's so funny. Cause I think sometimes people like enter into it. They're like, okay, I've done it. And it's like, Nope. Sorry, sweetie. We're going to keep going. But to answer your question I've been doing, and I told you about this and we were talking about this a couple of days ago, but Lacey Phillips work has been really, really a, a huge tool in my woo woo tool belt. Um, you actually inspired me by talking about investing in a coach. And so look at the universe. I am like, I was doing something with, Oh my gosh, actually this was really hilarious. And this is a side story that I have to tell, but Laura Silverman of DC, um, like booze free in DC, Sands bar. I mean, like she does a lot of stuff in, in the alcohol free community invited me to make, um, a zero proof cocktail for a virtual event. I was like, sure, I I can do that. Um, Alice, the other people that were mixing cocktails. I saw,
0: I saw, they were, they were mixologists. They were specialists.
1: They were like legit, like from Columbia room, from like a spirits company, like legit people. And I was like, what the hell am I doing here? But I was like, I'll just make this really fun. And it ended up being a great time. But within that event, um, there were raffle prizes and I won a raffle prize for, um, like a personal coaching session. Oh, I didn't know
0: that. Yeah. I
1: just won it. I was like, okay, sure. I, I have always been really open to therapy, um, and had never done the life coach thing. Well, I had a conversation with this, with this human and I adore her. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to spend my money on this. So I am, I'm going to invest my money on this because I feel like that similar to you, like there's energetics of money when it's like, you know what, I have enough and I'm going to spend what I have on myself. <laughs> um, so I feel like that was a huge emotional shift to like committing to that and I feel very connected to that this, this woman. And so I'm really excited about that. So that's a tool, um, meditation always without fail. Um, that's something that I'm glad is becoming more widely practiced by people because that
0: can be free. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I tell people that meditation is free and will solve all your problems. Yeah. I think that it's free. And it's, I mean, this is
1: a, this is a whole convo, but like the commodification of the wellness industry as like a capital T trillion dollar industry of like making people feel like they need to buy like X, Y, and Z things like the fancy meditation cushion that my dad bought me that I used to a at school. It's like, you don't need that. Like, Anyway, so back to your cue, the manifestation and like shadow integration work has been something that I've been doing a lot of during this time, invested in a life coach, meditation. And now this is something that I really am mentally committing to keeping up has just been like exploratory walks with myself to nowhere. Like walking without a purpose or like the purpose is just like the walk itself. It's like, I'm not walking to go meet someone. I'm not walking to go to the grocery store. I'm just like letting my little feet take me where they, where they choose. I love Uh, that. I do that too. Yeah. Which is so fun because like now in quarantine, it's like my walk outside is the highlight of the day. And I can't believe that I lost touch with the fact that like the outdoors is the biggest gift that we have.
0: <laughs> um, it really is such a gift. I mean, I lived in Shanghai for five years, did a lot of travel within Asia and it's smoggy, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize how much I missed like blue skies and trees until, you know, I, I came back and then, and I still look up at the sky and I'm in awe. I'm
1: like, Oh, mm-hmm. it's blue. There she is. And now yeah. so much clearer than before. Yeah, I was reading outside yesterday. I have a little enclosed patch of grass outside of, like, one of the sides of my apartment complex. And I just took a blanket out there yesterday, and I was reading on my back with, like, the book up
0: here. And I was like, wasn't it really windy and cold yesterday? Yeah, but
1: I did it anyway.
0: I just needed, I needed to get
1: out of the apartment. So bad. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't care that it was windy or cold. But the sky was so beautiful. And I was like, before it was just so go, go, go that honestly, this sounds so corny, I wouldn't even look up.
0: But now it's different. And so I really go back. back. Can't go back now. No. Yes. Yeah, so I definitely found like yoga, moving meditation very helpful meditation itself sound healing that's why that's something that I practice um what else I love tarot I love, oh, yes. I love drawing cards but honestly at this point I'm taking a break because I keep on drawing the same cards which is just ultimately telling me that I already know and I just need to be okay with it <laughs> like I already have the intuition that's guiding me I've been it's a muscle, it's a skill, and you just have to sit and be quiet, get quiet to come back to yourself. I think that's the most difficult part. I myself, I tell people meditation is really important. I facilitate it, but it's still difficult for me to do. Mm-hmm. I need yes. to okay. about that. facilitating is so much different
1: than practicing. And you were talking about how you hold space for other people. And then you had that realization before moving forward with your mentor of I need some attention as well. And I think that that's such an interesting state of being and doing the work that we do, not like the internal work, but more so like the work for others, um, is that people are like, oh, that's so great. You work in wellness. And it's like it is very exhausting sometimes to create this space for other people to fill um, And that we need we need that kind of practitioner for ourselves as well. So very, very I feel you want that for it. I feel you big that.
0: I know and I and I realize that it's something that will help me stay accountable. And so Mm -hmm. I I will follow along like what her course is, but I will also give myself more homework. So I'm gonna designate that day that we speak to be a day that I do a lot of different things for myself reading books that are just piling up, like on my bookshelf, like my nightstand and to just, just to be more accountable so that I, because when I heal, I can help others better. 1000%. Which is very funny and very kind of Ironic, you're like you have to do something for yourself so that you can better understand how to help others. And so it's really taking that leap forward and it's very difficult because I'm sure you're similar in that you were not taught to spend money in this way. Nope. It's different, like of course, taking loans out for school, easy, absolutely, but to to spend money on yourself in this way. It is education, but it's, it's very different. It's, it, it comes back to that concept of, do I deserve this? (sighs) Sorry. I'm not sure if we're allowed to swear, but (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Do I deserve this? That was the biggest is the biggest thing that I grapple with internally is What I deserve. And I think that if we're tying it back to some of the shadow work of having an addictive personality and like sometimes working so hard, I'm like, I will not deserve insert whatever here money, attention, love, rest, unless I do X, Y, and Z. Um, And so it's a huge act. For me to say, I deserve this. Full stop. Me like without the qualifier. <sighs> it's
0: it's a it's just a it's a strange thing, but I feel like it's an exercise that I need to do so that I can be able to tell people, help guide people, like when you are ready, like what does that look like? Because. There is a lot the the coaching industry is really shady. I was really reticent right
1: to do anything like coaching, obviously. I know yeah. some people do it so that I'm like I would not.
0: Would the not. Way <laughs> it's marketed and I I chose someone that I've known for a couple years now. Mm-hmm. And even then I was like this is this is This is a lot of money to spend. Although I told her a couple months ago that she should raise her prices. I'm really thankful she did not (laughs) for myself. (laughs) But it was, it was, it was very difficult to, to, to make that leap, but it's just like, ultimately it's, you will, that person will find you Mm -hmm. and it will feel right. It Mm -hmm. will happen like really Organically, like how it happened for you, how it happened for me. And it's just really annoying that Instagram, Facebook, whatever, those algorithms are just pushing. Like, I don't know if you get these, but I get pushed a lot of coaching ads. Mm-hmm. And, it's, yes. and I just, I just don't believe them. They're like, I've already made a million dollars this year, or I've already like closed like 20, 30,000. It's just every, every body is different. Mm-hmm. And I would like to, cause I know that it's a funny thing. Like once I'm able to just feel purposeful and happy and not have to think about, is this generating money? Like, are enough people coming all that? Like if I let go of that, it will all come. And so it's continual work all the time of not worrying about that. It's not to say those things aren't important, but I've held those things to such high regard. And those are my only metrics that I need to let go. And so I have three words for this year. It's to build, it's to trust, and it's to have fun. Because what's Mm. the point of living and doing something if you're not having fun? Obviously, every single day, especially when you own your own business, there are things that we have to do that aren't fun. But overall, if you're not having a good time, what's the point? And that's a big shift in living, especially the way that I was brought up. Mm. That's not what my parents think of. Are you having fun? Yeah, that's That's
1: like extracurricular.
0: (laughs) That's like something for Saturdays and Friday nights, maybe Sunday, but it's I want to have fun every single day. And so Mm -hmm. I bring myself back to those words time and time again.
1: Doing and I imagine that it's going to be very continual have been like, they're here and this is going to be a valuable
0: experience
1: for the people that are here.
0: Yes, I always think of it in that way. Like, even if it's one person, they are here. You don't know the type of impact you're gonna make on that person's life and who they will share that with. Mm -hmm. You just never know the way that things happen in life. Real
1: talk though, have you ever taught a one person class before?
0: No, I haven't, but it's definitely been like a couple people. It's just, yeah, I've had only a few people in class and I'm like, "Hmm." but then I've had, I've had classes where I never expected to have a turnout of like 20, 30 plus people. It's just, I just, it's just, you just, you just, you never know. Mm -hmm. Have you, have you hosted a one person class? I
1: So like when I'm teaching bar, like there's definitely been times where it was like one person in like the big studio. And I was like, all right,
0: you have just won a personal training session. That's Those my actually, my my favorite. If I end up being in a class somehow, like and I'm the only one, I like I'm like, yes, this is great. Undivided attention from the teacher. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, So that was why I asked because sometimes some people are very into
0: it, and some people are like, "I'm actually getting it's just." I think when those things happen, it's to build humility. Oh, is to keep yourself humble and to know that even if it's just one person, it's still making a difference. And ultimately, I am on this path. I started this business to make a difference. Mm. Help people find their purpose. And that's a very different in almost intangible metric. Yeah. It's 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 just the stories that people tell me. I had someone message me um yesterday saying, I've been having headaches and I've been listening to your sound baths, and they've just been so helpful and I don't have a headaches now. Wow, that's so nice. Great. Yeah. Well,
1: Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I was saying that I'm sure that if you or somebody else in a similar position were operating from a place of my, my goal is to have a thousand listeners a day versus like the difference between that and my goal is to provide value to whoever Finds these is so different. And I feel like even if the goal, or like even if there is a numeric goal, if you're operating from this space of, I want to create value, you'll get there leaps and bounds faster than if all you're focusing on is
0: a number versus a value. Absolutely. I truly believe that. It's just like, the intention you set, because even if you had let's say a thousand people sign up or a thousand listens they like what if they they didn't have a good time yeah yeah what if they came and listened to like five seconds and they never come back Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: so it's just it's it's difficult it's difficult but yes the the providing value that That should always be the most important metric. And so it's something that we should really remind ourselves every single day and before an event. (laughs) Especially before an event. Yeah, especially before an event, as I do have an event next week. So, (laughs) well, I wanna thank you so much for your time today. Oh my gosh, this was a pleasure. Doing the work never stops. You just reach new levels, new challenges to overcome, new learnings. And for the healers out there, your own healing journey is how you help others to have walked the path and to share your experiences. I'd love to hear where you are on your spiritual path and feel free to always reach out to me with any questions. If you like this episode, share it with a friend and give the podcast a five-star rating.